You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, we're actually going to look at a few verses in Jeremiah 32, but let's go to Jeremiah 33, and then ladies' luncheon, sign-ups are out. That is May the 1st, just a couple weeks away, and I hope you ladies will make plans to be here for that uh, event at noon in the Evans Building on Saturday, May the 1st. Jeremiah 33, and let's actually, let's jump up to uh, chapter 32, and I want you to look at verse number 41 is where I'll begin reading, and we'll get right into our lesson for tonight. It says in verse number 41 of Jeremiah 32, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. For thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. And fields shall be bought in this land, whereof you say it is desolate without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money and subscribe evidences and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin And in the places about Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah and in the cities of the mountains and in the cities of the valley and in the cities of the south, for I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. And let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you'd bless us and help us as we continue our study in the book of Jeremiah. I thank you for this book and I thank you that you are uh, so patient. You're long-suffering with us, even for the people of Judah who were backslidden, And even for the people of Judah who had wandered from you, I thank you that you still love them and you still desired to see them come back to you. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we look at your word. Help us not to miss the truths we uh, discover in the pages of Scripture tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, as we looked at Jeremiah 32, we kind of laid the groundwork and we said, Jeremiah is in a bad situation, humanly speaking. He's locked up. He's put in prison, and we know that Judah is going into Babylonian captivity, and uh, the the Babylonians are are ready to come in. They're ready to attack. They're ready to lay siege on the city. They're getting ready to haul off captives. They're going to destroy the city, and God tells Jeremiah, he says, I want you to buy a piece of property. Now, we talked about this last week. That is not probably a smart real estate decision. That's probably not a smart money decision. When things are getting ready to go down, that you say, I'm going to buy it while it's high and before it goes down and probably lose money. But here's what's so powerful, is that Jeremiah, while he was in prison, and while he knew that the judgment of God was coming, he still had enough faith to believe God no matter what. And I want to tell you, you may not be in a good situation, maybe with your health, maybe with your finances, maybe with your family. You may not be in a good situation, humanly speaking, but I want to tell you, don't give up on God. 
Because God is able to turn your situation around. God is able to turn my situation around. I want to remind all of us, we're just a heartbeat away from heaven. And can I tell you, that may be difficult for the people we leave behind. And I'm not trying to say it's not a big deal. But here's what I'm saying is that we're not going to be here forever. And you and I can trust the word of God and you, we can trust the promises of God. We said last week that Jeremiah was persecuted and put in prison. We said, number two, that he purchased property. Number three, we said that he claimed the promises of God. And we said that he prayed. Then we said that Jeremiah saw God's power. Uh, behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? God said, Jeremiah, there's nothing too big for me. I, I am, I'm the God of all flesh, and he is the God of all flesh. He, Jeremiah saw God's power. Then we saw last week where the people provoked God to anger. We see God's problem with his people, and we saw in uh, the end of chapter 32 that God said he would protect his people. And now we get to the end of chapter 32, and I want you to notice in these verses that God promised that he would plant his people. Did you notice that in verse number 41? God says, yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. From the lesson tonight, I'd like to start number one, and I'd like to say that God desires to plant you. Now, some of you are great with flowers. You're great with plants. You're great you're with, with crops. You've got a garden. And, and, and how many of you consider yourselves to be pretty good with planting things and, and making things grow? Let me see. We got a few hands up. All right. Okay. Got a few of you. We have identified the enemy. Those are the people we don't like, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you can't make anything grow, right? Even your artificial plants sometimes die, right? Or they get knocked off and destroyed. Okay, we got a few like that. Can I tell you, there is an art to it, right? I mean, you got to know what you're doing. Now, maybe you got lucky a few times, but really you want to know what you are doing. Now, we, my wife and I, we have been working on some projects in our yard, and one of the things we did last year was we planted some things, and um, I shouldn't say we planted some things. Um, I planted some things, so they didn't survive, so it's my fault. I didn't do it right, but can I tell you, it's amazing how it seems like everybody else's trees and everybody else's bushes are doing great, and the ones that I planted are all dead. You know, I don't know why that is, but I know this that when you are planting something, when you're planting a tree or when you're planting a, a flower, or you're planting some kind of a crop, it does matter where you plant it, right? Location is important. It does matter what you do with it after you plant it. Like a, watering it would be a good thing to do, right? Uh, most plants anyway. And when you plant is also a good thing. We had this, uh, this cold snap that came through last week, and if you had some plants outside, you were trying to get those things covered so they wouldn't freeze. The, the timing is so important. But can I tell you what, what solves all of those issues? Is the who. If you've got the right person planting, then that person knows where that thing needs to be planted. The person knows when that thing needs to be planted. 
That person knows what to do to take care of that thing that is planted. And I can't think of a better person to plant you and to plant me than the God of the universe who knows exactly what you need. I remember we used to talk to uh, Mrs. Evans, Ruth Evans, what a sweet lady. She was amazing, and she loved being outside, and she loved planting things, and, and, and certain things needed more shade, right? Certain things need more sun. Certain things need to be a, a little bit more water, some a little less, and, and it seemed like she knew about all that. I don't know about any of that stuff, but can I tell you, when it comes to our lives, we need to let God get us planted. We need to let God do the one, and let God have control. Let God plant you. I believe that we as Christians ought to be planted and allow God to put us where we need to be. I'm thankful that God knows what's best for us. God knows what you're going through. David said in Psalm 1, said, Blessed is he that is planted by the rivers of water. What happens when you're planted by the rivers of water? You bring forth your fruit in your season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. It's so important that you let God plant you. Let God put you in the place where you need to be. I'm thankful for my parents. I was thinking about this when we were singing that song, A, a Child of the King, and I was always thankful to be able to say I'm the, the child of Joe and Cindy Coburn. I'm thankful for my parents, and I'm thankful I'm a child of God, and I'm thankful that I'm a Christian, but I'm thankful that I had parents that got me in church and got me planted in church, and I'm thankful that, that, that church was not, well, if, it's, if we have time or if we feel like it, but I'm thankful for that. And we need to get ourselves planted in church. And I'm talking to people on the live stream and people on the radio. And I thank you so much for staying connected and staying tuned in. But let's not phase out of church. Let's phase back into church. And let's stay planted. And let's stay grounded in the word of God and in the church where we need to be, where we can be watered and where we can be nurtured and where God can work on our hearts. I understand God can speak to you at home. I understand God can speak to you in the car. I understand that God can speak a lot of different places. But I'll tell you, in my life, I'll tell you where God speaks to me the most, it's when I'm at church. It's when I'm on my knees. It's when I'm in my Bible. It's when I'm talking to him and he's talking to me. And let's let God plant us. God knows where to plant you. God knows when to plant you. We ought to do everything that we can to bring forth fruit, to glorify the Lord in the place where we have been planted. Notice verse 42, God says that I'll bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. Verse number 43, again, fields shall be bought. And verse 44, men shall buy fields for money. And God says they're going into captivity. Judah is going to be punished, but I will bring them back into this land. I love this, verse 44. It says at the end of the verse, for I will cause. You know what that word means? God says, I'm going to make it happen. I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. God says, I will make sure. I will make it happen. You can mark it down. You are coming back from captivity. And guess what? They did. Exactly like God said. They went into captivity, but God said, I'm bringing you back just like he promised. 
Notice chapter 33, verse number 7. I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Notice verse 11. We see at the end of the verse, I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. Number one, we ought to let God plant us. We ought to let God have control. Let the Lord have his way in your life. Let's get planted. Number two, God tells his people in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, I want you to prove me. Now, can I tell you, this is a big statement that God is making here because God says in Jeremiah 33, 3, and he's talking to his people that are getting ready to go into captivity. He says, here is what I want you to do. I want you to put me to the test. He said, I want you to call unto me and I will do what? What does God say? I will answer thee. You know what that means? Some of you don't know what that means because somebody calls your phone and you don't answer. And I think I'm guilty of that sometimes. You know, you get busy and you're like, where's that phone? I need to do this. I need to call somebody. And, and then if you don't answer right away, what happens? You forget. Or maybe you don't, but I do. And then it's the next day and I'm calling somebody. I say, I am so sorry. I was supposed to call you back yesterday. But can I tell you, when you call on the Lord, he says, I will answer. He says, I'm going to respond. Uh, I'm going to hear. I'm going to do something about what you ask me for. I will answer thee and show thee. That means to make known to you great and mighty things. Now, that word great, it has the idea of something that is big. So we're not just saying, um, uh, Lord, would you, um, would you please help the, help the sun to, to come up tomorrow morning? Well, that's a big thing, but that happens every morning, right? But something big is something that it's, it's out of our control. It's something that only God could do. And God says, if you call unto me, I will answer you and I'll show you great big things. And then he says this, he says, I'll show you mighty things. That word mighty is an interesting word. It means something that is inaccessible. It's something that you can't get to. It's something you can't accomplish. It's something I can't do. It's something we can't figure out. But God says, that's the kind of thing I will do when you pray. And God says, call unto me. Prove me. I'll show you. I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I love that verse in Ephesians 3.20. The Bible says unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, hang on. God says, I can do more for you than you could ever ask me for or than you could ever imagine. Can I tell you, that's pretty big. My wife and I, we claimed that verse when we were praying for a baby and five miscarriages and thinking that we would never have children. And we claimed that verse, and we had no idea that God would give us twins, Lacey and Savannah. And can I tell you, I don't know what it is in your life, but I'm just saying this, God is able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God says to prove him. He wants us to pray. When you pray, I, I'm thinking about uh, Miss uh, Faye. 
Nelson, I love Miss Faye and Brother Joe. They're so sweet. Miss Faye will text me and, and please pray for Paul and Lisa. They have had so many health issues and my heart breaks for them. They're probably watching right now. But Miss Faye will often say this when she texts me. She'll say, Pastor, I'm so sorry to bother you. And I always tell her, I say, Miss Faye, you are not a bother. I want to know. I want to be able to pray. Uh, it's, and by the way, when we call unto God, here's the amazing thing. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's never too busy. He can talk to everybody at the same time. Aren't you glad that is our God? And he wants us to call unto him. He wants us to prove him. He wants us to put him to the test. Then we see in verse number six, God promises that he will give peace to his people. Behold, verse six, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. That word cure in verse six, it literally means healing. I don't know why I'd never quite thought of it like this, but we sing that song, uh, Because He Lives, and the song says that Jesus came to love, heal, and forgive, right? That's the words of the song. It's not inspired, but it's a good song. But when Jesus was on this earth and He performed miracles, many of the miracles that Jesus performed were miracles of healing, Right? And those miracles were often miracles of healing physical sicknesses. True? Right? Jesus, he healed the lame. He healed the blind. Uh, he caused the, the deaf to hear. He caused the dumb to speak and raised the dead. A lot of those miracles were physical. But did you know that Jesus has the power to not only give physical healing, Jesus can give you spiritual healing. Jesus can give you emotional healing. This verse says that God gives a health. It says that he gives the abundance of peace and truth. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling emotionally. You just need some peace. God can not only give you a little bit of peace, God can give you an abundance of peace. He can give you so much peace, you don't know what to do with all the peace. That is how amazing our God is. And he offers his peace to his people. But notice what comes with peace. I love this, verse number six. And reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Sometimes we feel like ignorance is bliss. You ever, you, we've used that statement before. Can I tell you, true peace comes when you know the truth. True peace does not come just because you stick your head in the sand, just because you say, I don't want to know, don't tell me, don't tell me. But true peace comes when you get in the truth and you get founded upon the Word of God and peace and truth go together. And I'm glad that God can give peace. Notice quickly, number four. We see in verse number eight that God promises His people that He will pardon. I like that word, pardon. We don't use that word a lot other than, you know, good manners, uh, pardon me or excuse me. Um, I heard this word recently. I had to look this up. I thought this was so wild. Um, when President Trump was going out of office, um, you know, our beloved news media, you know how, how wonderful they are. But I was hearing a lot of talk of all of these, these pardons that were just being handed out like candy. Anybody else hear anything about the, all the pardons? 
that President Trump was doing uh, as he was going out of office. I mean, it was just, I mean, I don't know what in the world he was thinking, but I mean, he was just pardoning everybody and their mother's brother. I mean, it was just out of control. And so I, I just out of curiosity, I was looking up and I was looking up numbers of how many pardons have been given out by presidents. Did you know that, and this goes way back, but did you know that FDR gave out 3,687 pardons in his administration? Did you know that Truman gave out 2,041 pardons? Nixon gave out 926 pardons. Ronald Reagan gave out 406. President Bush, the first Bush, gave out 77. President Clinton gave out 459. President uh, George W. Bush gave out 200. And President Trump gave out 237 pardons. That's a lot of pardons. Oh, I forgot one. Um, uh, President Obama, did I mention President Obama? I think I forgot to mention him. He gave out 1,927 presidential pardons. But uh, it's amazing, I didn't hear anything about that recently from the media. But they did talk about President Trump giving out 237 pardons. What's a pardon? A pardon is you've been convicted, you have committed a crime, you have been given a sentence, and when the president gives that pardon, that sentence is forgiven, right? Well, I'm glad to tell you we're not talking about presidential pardons because guess what? Not everybody gets one. There were a lot of people that needed pardons, or so they thought. A lot of people wanted pardons. A lot of people were writing and calling and emailing and, 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 and appealing and saying, please, would you please give me a pardon? And not everybody gets one of those. But I'm glad that everybody that comes before the throne of grace can receive a pardon. And everyone that comes before the Lord can receive forgiveness. And I'm glad we're not at the mercy of a president. We're not at the mercy of a judge. We're not at the mercy of a jury. We're at the mercy of the King of Kings who says, the price for your sin has already been paid by my son on the cross. And he says, I will forgive your sin. And I'm thankful for the pardon that God gives. Notice in verse number eight, some of you thought I was going a political route there, but I just had to throw that in there to make sure you were listening. Verse number eight, I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Aren't you thankful for the pardon? You don't have to go to sleep tonight beating yourself up. Well, I did this. Oh, I said this. Oh, I didn't do this and I was supposed to do this. You don't have to go to sleep tonight beating yourself up for your sin because your sin's already been paid for. It's already been cleansed. And all you have to do is say, God, would you forgive me and confess your sin? And he is faithful and just to forgive you. He's faithful and just to pardon you and to cleanse you from all iniquity. Notice verse number nine. And it shall be to me a name of joy a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. Now, let's, let's take a break here. Now, I don't mean, please don't leave and go, go to the restroom or something, but let's, let's think about this for a minute. How are people going to hear? 
about all the good that God has done in your life. How are they, how are they going to hear about that? I mean, we could, we could rent a spot on the uh, television station or we get a spot on the radio and we could, you know, we could do that for you. But you know what's even better is when you do it yourself. When you tell people what God has done for you personally, that's how people hear how good God is. That's how God is praised. That's how God is glorified. Notice verse number 11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Now, hang on. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe this is just common to you. But this jumped out at me as I was studying Jeremiah 33. God says that I want you to bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, that's what they did. They brought sacrifices to the temple, right? They brought animals. They brought their offerings. They brought their crops. They, they brought those sacrifices into the temple. But here, God is telling his people, there's another sacrifice I want you to bring when you come to the temple. He said, I want you to bring the sacrifice of praise. Now, Brother Alton is our, our greeter at that front door. And anybody that comes to those front doors, they get to meet Brother Alton. And he is a blessing. And, and what a great first impression. And, and many times people say, uh, that, that greeter, he remembered my name. He was so kind. He was so friendly, so helpful and all that. And Brother Alton, when he's at that front door, he's not checking to see what all you're bringing to church. But if we did have him check, I hope that when you come to church, I hope you bring some praise with you. Now, this doesn't say come to church and get your praise, although I hope you take some home with you too, and I hope you take some to work, and I hope your family knows, and hope your friends know that you love the Lord and that he's been good, but you ought to bring, when you come to church, you ought to bring a sacrifice of praise. I just can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to sing. I can't wait to worship God. I just can't wait. It's been building up in my heart, and here I am. It's finally time I get to praise the Lord. Tell you what else you should bring to church. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Verse 2 of Psalm 100 says, come before his presence with singing. I tell you what I believe you ought to bring to church and that you won't find this all word for word in the Bible, but I think this is a good thing to bring to church. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. And I know some of you have it on your phone or your iPad or whatever. But I like bringing a Bible to church. I tell you what else you ought to bring to church. You ought to bring a smile. Wouldn't that be great when you're walking in the doors and, and you're already happy? And you say, it's been a tough week, I know. But just think, when you come to church, you get to leave the cares and the burdens behind for a little bit. And you just get to come and to be in the presence of God where we meet with Him, with His people. I'll tell you something else to bring to church. Bring one of these. Amen. I, I, I try to sound like Brother Dan. We got a clip of Brother Dan saying amen, and I don't have it mastered. Brother Caleb's got it mastered pretty good. Amen. 
Brother Caleb, you have to tell me what you think about that, if that matches Brother Dan. But you ought to bring an amen. You ought to bring a nod. You ought to bring a smile. You ought to bring a good spirit. You ought to come to church joyful because of what God has done in your life. I know you ought to bring your tithe and offering, and many of you do that online or you mail it in or whatever. I think you ought to bring somebody with you when you come to church. That'd be a good thing to bring to church. Hey, I'm going to bring a friend with me. I'm going to bring a neighbor. I'm going to bring a coworker. But I'll tell you this, let's bring a sacrifice of praise when we come to church. Next, I see in verse number nine, I see God's provision. He says in verse number nine uh, that uh, he would, um, uh, they would fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. That word procure, it means to provide for. God has provided all the goodness. Anything good in your life, because of God. Anything good in my life is because of Him. All the goodness, all the prosperity. This land of Judah would have been desolate. It would have been wasted had it not been for God's goodness and God's provision. And then lastly, I see in verse number 14, I see the promise. And this is another reminder of God's promise to His people. But He says in verse number 14, He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Aren't you thankful, not only for God's promises, but aren't you thankful for God's reminders? Some of us, we're forgetful. Maybe you're not. I'm forgetful sometimes. I write things down, and then I forget where I wrote it down. You know what I'm saying? Or here's, here's a good thing. You got something valuable, and you put it in a safe place where you know you will remember where you put it. And the next time you need that item, guess what? You have no idea where you put it. That's me. But aren't you glad for reminders? Aren't you glad that God reminds us of His promises? Notice verse number 15. He says, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. We see that God promises that uh, of the seed of David, he gives the Davidic covenant that of the seed of David, there would come a king from the line of David. Then he says in verse number uh, 16, excuse me, verse number 18, neither shall the priests, the Levites want a man before me or lack a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. We see the Davidic covenant, we see the Levitical covenant. And here's, here's the, the, the thing I want to point out is that God's people, the people of Judah, were getting ready to go into captivity. They'd been very disillusioned. They'd had some bad kings. After Josiah, there really wasn't a good king in Judah. Jehoiakim, not a good king. Jehoiachin, not a good king. Zedekiah, not a good king. And they're seeing these kings that are wicked. They're seeing these kings that are losers. And Judah's thinking, man, what happened to the good old days when we had King David and King Solomon? And, and what about King Josiah? And what about some great kings? And God says, don't worry. I got the best coming. His name is Jesus. He's a branch that's coming from the line of David. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. The people of Judah had also seen some priests that were wicked. Some priests 
that had defiled the house of God and priests that had profaned the temple. And they'd seen some priests that were uh, uh, setting double standards and, and priests that were making a mockery of the things of God. And God tells them, he says, I've got a priest coming. And Hebrews tells us that that high priest, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, is none other than Jesus Christ, who is our faithful high priest. And I just, I guess I'll close with this. Don't get disillusioned by people. You'll see some people, you'll see some pastors, or you'll see some evangelists, or you'll see some missionaries, or you'll see some faithful people, or some family members, or some friends, and, and maybe you'll be disappointed in those people. We've all been there. But I got news for you. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll never be disappointed. And God reminded his people of the covenant that he made with David and the covenant that he made with his people concerning the priests, that there was coming a king and there was coming a priest that would make all the others look very, very pale in comparison because the one that's coming is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.